Welcome to yet another episode of the Anto 25 with me here, Apollo Zaswani, where we get to talk about issues and matters concerning people as they share their real life stories, stories about their health, insecurities, don't talk off their traumas, only here on the Killian Apollo's podcast. You can also be part of it by subscribing to the Killian Apollo's podcast. This is the Anto 25. This is episode 7 of the Untold 25 segment here on the Killing of Apollos podcast. I'm your amazing host for the podcast, Apollos Aswani. And normally we have a co-host who is absent for today. And she is known as Paulette Okayo. And maybe if you're a new audience, you may want to get a glimpse of how she sound like... <laughs> What you need to do is just go back to some of the episodes that you have done before and you'll get to enjoy an amazing, amazing, amazing lady we have there. So, it has really been a journey with Milima Namabonde getting to episode 7 of this particular segment. Hey, where Sim Cheso? And I, if I can recall back when we first, the first episode of this particular segment premiered back in 2020, date one september where i hosted fishmonger stories from there i went to episode two where i hosted a a chile known as shiro who also has a podcast tuesday with shiro and actually it's been a minute without hearing from your podcast shiro i don't know what really happened i think i should call you after this recording and get to know what really transpired in between because we miss you and from there we went to episode three where i hosted a guy by the name john aka j panda and john was sharing about his battle with body shaming and his journey through body shaming from there we went to episode four an episode which attracted a lot of listens a lot of sympathy and empathy I hosted Vivian Obino Bosibori on this particular episode and Vivian was sharing about her battle with meningitis. From there we went to episode 5 where I hosted an artist known as Poet Stano and Poet Stano was just sharing about his spoken word journey and from there we went to episode 6 where I hosted a guy known as Malan, Malan in quotes. Yeah. Malan, Malan was talking about how his addiction to marijuana got him into a rehabilitation center. And now we here we are with episode number Saba, Saba Mgo Ngoni. And ladies and gentlemen, without wasting any time, like any second of your breath here on earth, let's get into the real issues of today. The matters concerning issues and issues concerning matters of the week. So, early this year, guys, I went on my socials and asked you to give me some of your suggestions that you want me to introduce, like what you want, like 2021 Caleb Apollo's podcast to be made up of, and to give me a wide range of topics that you want us to, to talk about, a wide range a wide range of segments sorry that you want me to introduce and like it was just basically a wide range of things that you want us to do in this particular podcast and one of the particular topics that most people gave me is you wanted us to talk about the lgbtq community and wow i'm telling you i received like more than 20 suggestions on this particular topic like apollos we should talk about this apollos like you should host a a guy who is an a queer and we get to know more or just to get to know their phase of life with them being queer and so I remember back in episode 32, I did an episode where I asked you a question like, are men allowed to put on makeup? And most of you came in with your comments and right about now, first of all, I want you to just get to listen to some of the comments.
uh, I think men should be allowed, should be allowed to apply makeup because kama unataka kufanya kuwe more attractive wewe paka usikuwe na hizi stories za toxic masculinity walai from a point of view um i feel like men wanafakupaka makeup anyone should put on makeup makeup looks so beautiful makeup doesn't define gender makeup is for everybody even when you go for interviews you have to put on makeup not interviews what do they call like video shoots and all that you have to put on makeup makeup is just an enhancement there's no gender to makeup and if you're a man and you feel like unafakupaka makeup my g put it put it na upige picture to me mimi nitaku hype now there's nothing like are men allowed to have makeup who is that that is allowing people please direct me to that person so that i can tell them you have no authority over what someone decides to do that's my opinion on top of that most of you gave in your comments and most of you also were were saying like when a man puts on makeup like that man will be termed as being gay and i kind of tend to disagree with that because you know in the media industry especially when you work in front of cameras before you go on set you like you you'll have to put on makeup because you know makeup improves the the quality of visuals that the camera is going to take and so that does not mean that you're gay by the fact that you apply makeup before going on set so i tend to disagree with that and that that particular episode prompted me to do today's episode and today's episode is based on lgbtq i've hosted a guy by the name kev machiro who is going to share about his life as a queer and so a disclaimer before we continue this particular episode might contradict with some of your views with some of your self beliefs or with some of what you stand for and what you feel like should not be talked about should not be shared yeah you, you know some of that things the only option that you have right now is just get to listen to this amazing episode because from out of it you're going to learn a new thing that you didn't know before you didn't know because i know this is a really sensitive topic to touch on but we, this is the Kelly Apollo's podcast who we speak issues concerning matters and matters concerning issues that affect me and you as social beings and we can't ignore the fact that these people like are amongst us like they are part of our society and so guys i just want you to be open minded in this particular episode and after this hearing from it you can give your sentiments and i'll share it i'll share them on my next episode and so guys let's get to the other side of studio and get to listen to this amazing guy My, my name is Kevin Mochiro. I'm a writer, podcaster, queer activist, journalist. Uh, yeah, then um, I think have I missed anything? Yeah, I think that's that, I think that's all of yeah, that's all of it. A fighter. And, and also and, okay, yeah, sorry. And also, that. and also a cancer survivor. Yeah. And I want to start to start with you being a cancer survivor. Okay, sir. Okay, when were you diagnosed with cancer? Um, I was diagnosed with cancer in 2000 in October 2015. Mhm. Yeah, that year I'd been having health problems with my back, um which started in May. So when I went for a review um in 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 October I told mm-hmm. my I told my doctor something wasn't quite right. I still felt that my you know when you feel something apollos that is with your body that isn't sour and I'm like if I mm-hmm. got, in May they said I had a fractured uh, vertebrae my L5 so mm-hmm. and I even started asking my friends who are doctors I'm like why do bones take so long to heal you know and this was mm-hmm. now almost 5 months later and then my friend told me just see another just tell this to your doctor and i just felt something wasn't right with my body so when i went mm-hmm. to my doctor that he's like let's just take new images that is x-ray city scan and even an mri 
and this was like on a Monday and by Wednesday he was mm-hmm. um, Wednesday Thursday by Thursday sorry he was calling mm-hmm. me back to the hospital and he wanted to admit me immediately uh, so at that point in time I remember him telling me that they found many um, lesions in my body uh, my bones were mm-hmm. still I still had the fracture and I had other fractured bones you know like near my neck my um I forgive me I forgot what was it my teeth three or something you know so mm-hmm. there were fractures within my body and he was really worried for me so I we spoke that Thursday morning by Thursday evening I was being admitted into the Aga Khan hospital they were mm-hmm. testing me it was either one of two options it was either multiple myeloma I mean yeah multiple mm-hmm. myeloma or pulmonary TB I had never heard of multiple myeloma which is the cancer I eventually was diagnosed with um and that day and multiple myeloma is a cancer that affects the plasma Mhm yeah All right how was your journey through chemotherapy <sighs> My god You know maybe you caught me on the wrong day bro and forgive me I will, I will be I will be very raw it was an easy oh yeah it was mm-hmm. an easy it was an easy it was it was it was tough it was tough mm-hmm. um because you don't know what your body is going through you can't control it um i would i used to get i used to get um this is what i'll tell you i i was on i think four four pieces of medication there was a drug to help me fight nausea there was a drug mm-hmm. that had steroids um i was also getting a pill to help um you know it was also uh, is it, i think something for immunotherapy you know but it's also mm-hmm. a cancer drug and i used to get a i used to get a, um a weekly dose injection botezomib which was now the cancer the chemo drug i used to get that I used to go to hospital and get that weekly um and mm-hmm. once a month i used to get an injection for calcium so mm-hmm. i would go in to see my doctor on friday my weekends for almost wow almost 5 6 months i sort of wrote mm-hmm. off you know guys when, mm-hmm. when i do something i'm like it depends on how my body feels um so the first few months were rough you know so I was thinking I would I would stay up I would wait for the side effects I'm like you come you come just come we get over and done with this you know if it's, if it's going to be fevers you come if it's going to be itchiness come if it's whatever I used to wait for for my side effects and people thought I was crazy and I just couldn't sleep because I was just too anxious I was just mm-hmm. too anxious waiting to see what chemo was going to do for my body. So mm-hmm. it, it would knock me out Saturday, Sunday, by Monday I'd be feeling a little bit better. Tuesday mm-hmm. I'd be back at Jobo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But but you bless the name of God right now you're fine you're doing okay Kevin. I'm I'm grateful. I'm grateful. I am I I am in I am I'm, I'm in remission right now. I've been in re- remission for maybe close to 2 years. Um mm-hmm. and I'm really grateful. I I I turned my birthday was in March and I tell people ever since cancer and every time I get to my birthday, every mm-hmm. time I I cross over into a new year and so thinking you know, just every day but more so with those milestones, I am I am so grateful. I am so yeah, oh, so grateful. Okay. A happy belated birthday from Caleb Apollo's podcast. Sister, it's really like a man since you celebrated your birthday. Yeah, you know, ngoje hiyo mpesa. Unakoje mpesa. So it is kama mimi, kitumio. Okay. And, and before you being diagnosed with cancer had that thought of you like had that thought ever crossed your mind like one day i might be diagnosed with cancer no not really to be honest um i maybe will come up to bank and we can we can explore this later on but i i at the back of my head i thought if there's anything i was going to get it would have been hiv yeah mm-hmm. um there was that but not cancer but i um funny enough there was one time 
I was on Bangadi Road, I think I was either in a Matri or in a taxi, and there was mm -hmm. the Texas Medical Center, Pale, mm -hmm. Madara, you know, Madaraka, mm -hmm. sorry. Um, and the words cancer just, as I was looking at the sign, it just jumped at me. And I don't know mm -hmm. why that happened. I'm like, oh, okay. And then I just dismissed mm -hmm. it and I just went on with my business. Such that yeah. when I was when the doctor told me, when the doctors told me that I had been diagnosed with cancer, so I think I think it sort of eased the blow, you yeah. know, and I and I I had to accept what had been off what life had thrown at me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, nice. Now let's move on to you. you. Another title that you hold is Kevin Matiro as a freelance journalist. Okay. Will you give, just give us give us a, a, a brief background of your journey into journalism and how you even end up, ended up working with maybe some of the big radio stations in the two five four like Kiss FM, BBC Radio. Um. Uh, wow. Um. After I graduated from university, I found myself working for the government through um, Kenya Revenue Authority. But along the way, I figured this this was not the job for me. You know, I just like I wanted more. I was beginning to understand my personality. I'm like a desk job, wearing a tie every day and a suit. And at ten o'clock, you're served tea, and at four o'clock, you're served tea. And, and the work was interesting. I'm like, I just I, something just told me this is not for you. Um, then I briefly went back to school. And, and I knew, and I started doing a lot of voiceover work. Not not a lot. Someone had given me the opportunity to do voiceover work. FM stations were being started in Kenya at that time, and I'm like, this is this this is this was pulling me. I want to go into radio. I want to go into radio. And I used to listen to BBC. Um, I used to listen to BBC on and off, but I'm like, radio on pulling pulling at me. Um, and then I got my first job. It was a I'll, I'll just make this short. Um, I got my mm -hmm. first job with Kiss Kiss 100. I was one of the mm -hmm. first. Was I was a group of the first employees then, and I was so happy. You know, it's tough mm -hmm. being unemployed in Nairobi. It is tough, and some people, yeah. thought, uh, some people had thought I was crazy. You discover all mm -hmm. these stories later on in life, because I'd left mm -hmm. a, a proper job, you know, with a salary, and then I was unemployed for almost one year because I wanted to go into radio. You know, and guys mm -hmm. thought I was crazy, but I think that conviction in my heart was really, really strong. And people like they were offering me jobs and saying, "Come for this interview." But I told myself, "I want to get to radio. If, mm -hmm. if then this journey would, if I if I took up those those other jobs, I'm like, then this journey wasn't worth it. You know." Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I remember telling someone that then the, all all the suffering, all the pain, all the interviews, and all the ridicule I've gone through is not worth it if I give up so easily. So mm -hmm. this opportunity came up, you know. Um, oh. And then I worked um, at Kiss One Hundred, which was fantastic. I really liked what we did, even causing controversy. And I appreciate people like Patrick Kwako, the MD, and. Mm -hmm. Uh, Caroline Mutoko for believing in me and giving me the opportunity to work in radio. Uh, mm -hmm. And then I went and worked briefly in community radio in Uganda. And then I went to mm -hmm. my master's in radio production in the UK. I worked, with, mm -hmm. I worked with a community radio station there. And then I came back to Kenya. Tamak again. Tamak is Nairobi staff. Tamak again is Nairobi. And then ended up working for the BBC um, um, office here. I did that for almost six years. And yeah, mm -hmm. and then yeah, I went into journalism for um, uh, communication for development, and I did that for maybe another four, four, five years. And then now um, I'm, a, I'm one of the things I do is freelance journalism. Of freelance journalism, and maybe that's what also inspired you to begin your podcast, the Nipi Story Podcast. No. And, um, not really. um, the thing that inspired me to do the podcast is I love stories. Um, I love stories. I love reading stories. I love fiction more so. And I liked editing, you know, I liked editing. So I don't want to say no, but primarily the thing that made me want to start Nipe Story was I, I missed working with radio. I missed 
um, speaking into the microphone and hearing my and hearing my voice. You know, I missed. Mm -hmm. I mean, we call it, we used to call it performing in front of the microphone. So I missed that. I realized I did, and I have a I have I have been I'm grateful that I have a, a good voice for broadcast. And I'm like, mm -hmm. oh, maybe let me just go back to the things that I'm good at. So. Um, yeah, so the Nipe story gave me that opportunity to go back to the things that I enjoy and to go back into the things I'm good at. I like um, editing with sound. I love African mm -hmm. stories. So basically, um, that was based on the, the genesis of, of Nipe's story. Mm -hmm. And would you one day love to go back to radio, to community radio? Mm -hmm. Um, no, I'm, 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 I'm happy doing the podcasting. I would be happy um, mm -hmm. one day just being in radio and having conversations with people on radio, not full time, mm -hmm. you know, maybe like a weekly show one day, you know, talk about topical mm -hmm. issues, um, talk about issues that people are scared of talking about on mainstream radio. Um, and mm -hmm. also being able to use that as a platform to, to be fair to people, to not mm -hmm. judge people, because I okay. feel there's a lot of judgment okay. on people who are different and they don't have a platform. Mm -hmm. I'd love to be able to to offer that platform without and be and be an objective person, an objective person and be a good human um, at the same mm -hmm. time. I mean, maybe almost do the things like you're doing right now. Oh, nice. Actually, some of us, like me, I look up to your podcast, the Nipi story, because, you know, you will have, you are the alpha. You are the likes of Adele Nyango, the likes of Adele Nyango and Nipi story are some of the podcasts that are doing very well in the 254 right now. I'm just very grateful for the people who supported me and, um, and, 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 believe in, and believe in the work that I'm doing. So, Nashkuru Sana. Thank you. Just still in line with your journalism career, just tell us a little bit about your writing and you being an author of a book called Invisible. Um, uh, I, the writing, I think, happened per chance, but I, and I'm really, yet again, it's, it's like what I think the universe offered me that opportunity to go to the thing, go back to the things that I was good for, I'm good at, rather. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. Invisible was launched in 2014 and a bit of the context around the book Invisible is a collection it's an anthology of queer stories from Kenya and I had been given that opportunity to edit it and put it together ever mm -hmm. to put it together rather um, and I think mm -hmm. that sort of um, put me out there as in, into the writing space and it's something I started exploring then um, just before Invisible came out, I, had also, I was given the opportunity to contribute to another collection of plays from um, from Nairobi called Six in the City, and I, I wrote my first play. So that is, I would say, that's how my my writing journey professionally began. We used to write at the BBC, and I used to use my 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 way with words through the radio podcast, the radio broadcast that I used to do, but now was going back to the pen and i realized it was something mm. I, enjoyed. I, was, I was i was very good at composition in 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 school and mm. you, know, you and, and you forget such things until now so after nipe story i've edited other books um, another book and i've written other plays um and re i mean poetry poetry was also part of that journey but i've, I've moved more towards prose now um, and I don't know whether I hadn't mentioned it to you when I felt sick, um, just prior mm -hmm. to falling sick, I used to run a lot. I used to do a lot of, um, long distance running, you know, I'd done a few marathons, a couple of marathons and a number of 21 half marathons. And then when I got diagnosed with cancer, I couldn't run, you know, I couldn't do any physical mm -hmm. activity and someone asked me what my next outlet would be and, and, and I and I told them it would be writing. And it mm -hmm. that time I started documenting my journey and, and on on a, on a, on, a, on medium medium.com the microblog mm -hmm. site. And it gave me an opportunity to write even more and I think my writing it the cancer journey also strengthened my journey. So my, my writing rather. So that's that is the writing and the and um, I am where I am now, and I can happily call myself a writer. And, and I'm grateful for the fact that I'm 
I I am I am in a profession that I that I love and and appreciate. Oh, no. oh nice. And maybe you've just told us that you started even writing plays. I'm not starting. I'm, I'm just, sorry, go on. Okay. You when you started writing plays, did this contribute to you being part of the Goetric the first film festival in Goetric Institute in Nairobi that happened back in is this 2012? Yeah. Well, I think it was even before that. Um 2011 I think. Um it's, I mean, I was, I was working with the Gota Institute quite a bit um, at that time. So, they, I don't know, the director then just believed I could do stuff. I think he believed more in me than I did in myself. Um, but I'm also, I, I like watching people. I watch people. I, I, I have stories in my head. I, I tell people I'm my own best company, Sazenkine. And I just mm-hmm. get a lot of information from just visual, visual um, viewing people. So when you told me whether I was interested, I said yes. You know, it was my first. And to be honest, I, there's a play that has been on my laptop for years, um, but it is the only play I've written so far. But from then, I think they were able to see my my writing skills, and uh, they invited me to. Um, hence, I think I got invited to to be the editor or behind Invisible. <laughs> nice. Recently, I saw on your Instagram stories that you have an upcoming project in in conjunction with the girl group of Kenya uh, and the book. I don't know if it's a book, something like which had a cover written Rainbow Childhood. Yes, it, it is a book. It is out. It is. Um, I I helped compile. Um, I yet again compile and edit that. Um, mm-hmm. And it is a collection of stories from Kenyans. Um, and how they grew up um, mm-hmm. trying to deal with their, their sexuality um, and mm-hmm. family and, and, and life. Mm-hmm. In, in one of your articles, uh, I don't know if it had, the t- okay, it had the title, The Elephant, of where you're talking about a young mom called Kasiba and a son called Muticia, about how these mother came to realize how Mutisia the son was a queer. Why did you give it the title The Elephant? The, the, the name uh, sorry Caleb the, the name of the website is called The Elephant and I'm not involved. Oh, the name. oh you're not involved? No they just asked me to. I'm a contributor to The Elephant but um, the name of the <laughs> website is The Elephant. It is not my website. I'm, um, I'm just a contributor. Mm-hmm. Ah, it's fine, it's fine. And okay, also, in one of your articles you've written, Who by night, Christian by day? What did you imply by that? Um, that was part of an article. But you, you've taken you've taken that out of you've taken that phrase out of a wider article. Um that yeah. was what that was looking at my journey into discovering to in, into coming to terms with my sexuality. And I used that phrase because I was living a double life. I was involved in the church, you know, on Sundays and the church and everything, but I was living a very active gay life outside of church, you know, um, which is why I use that whole phrase, Hope and Night and, and Christian, I, I can't even remember, you know, which is why I use that phrase. You know, mm-hmm. um, just to show people the contrast, the contradiction, and and the and and the battle that I was going, I was that was going in within me. You know, I was mm-hmm. living a duplicitous life, um, and I just thought, you know, as I was writing that uh, piece, maybe that was just I just thought that was just a way of just writing it. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. And at that point, I think it will be prudent of me now introducing the main topic of our podcast today of the journey of Kevo Machiro as a queer. Kevo Machiro, how old were you when you came out and to the public that you are a queer? Um, um, I think when the book was launched, basically, you know, it was put out into the public space because as the one behind the it, book, the book invisible, the book being invisible, uh huh, in 2014. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. How was it for you coming out? Coming out is a process to be honest. Uh mm-hmm. By then by the time the book was 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 launched I was comfortable in who I who I am um as an open as a gay man. Um but the process takes years bro. It takes a long mm-hmm. time from mm-hmm. wow from when you start recognizing you have feelings towards other men other guys of your of your same gender you know to battling with that and wondering why and wondering do other people feel like that to hearing words like sugar when you realize and it's not used in a nice way and like is that me and why are people saying this word so badly and you start saying like it can't be me and denying that you know um to mm-hmm. to to hating yourself to low self esteem to to leading you to just be a shadow of who you really are you know and and people not seeing who you really are because you're not letting yourself to be seen you know where you're putting up a mask to wearing it was many years of wearing a mask so that other people could see a version of me mm-hmm. that that they liked that I thought this is the person I want you to see and yet I know deep inside I was struggling with my emotions I've, I've never had a girlfriend you know because I wasn't interested and I and I didn't even know how to even start approaching that so I I I, I didn't go down that way um mm-hmm. it was maybe when I was in my mid tw- late 20s that I saw someone and mm-hmm all these emotions just came flooding out i'm like wow this guy is mm-hmm. gorgeous he's handsome you know i i you know i really like him and 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 i started questioning these feelings came from within me they didn't come from anywhere else you know and, mm-hmm. and that happened i never felt so strongly for someone i'm like i remember that day when i felt when i saw this guy i'm like wow and every time this guy would come in to this space that we were working in I was like wow 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 and I'm like this is what my friends feel towards their girlfriends or mm-hmm. or their boyfriends you know and I'm like it's just that the feelings that I have are towards a guy mm-hmm. this thing is sour and I made my peace with it but there's still that battle of being 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 queer being a queer man being gay um and still being a christian because I used to go to church at that because there was that conflict um mm-hmm. it took a while um i remember even coming out to um one of the pastors within the church he was an american pastor both he and his wife and, and they became good mm-hmm. friends and something just drew me to them and 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 when and be known to me when i came out to them i told them this is this is who i am and i'm really struggling with this there was acceptance there because he the pastor also had a brother who was gay so he's like my brother is also gay and i know the struggle i know the difficultness and hello hello can you hear me yeah yeah i can hear you you back yeah. yeah sorry sorry about that you know and and this pastor was telling me that his own brother was gay even though they didn't have a relationship anymore the brother had walked out you know so he was very mm-hmm. empathetic and they showed me a lot of love and and, and grace um and i think from there i was able to accept who i am you know but i had to you know be careful about how i how i lived so i was not open but i just knew I'm, i'm a gay guy who goes to church but i'm not living the gay life um and then just over time um the heart i think maybe the heart won and you realize i don't want to be alone i, I want to be with someone and and their feelings and the body wants to feel and to be felt um and you're like i'm i'm okay niko sawa you know um and then i made peace with myself and i started coming out to a few close friends i came out to and then people who knew who picked up, who who could sense that you know okay boy is different is probably gay and they asked me mm-hmm. I, i i admitted i didn't want to lie to them um <clears throat> and then i also eventually the first person within my family that i came out to was my mother and then mm-hmm. then on um it was a slow process of many many years of coming out to friends colleagues who were close to me 
um, family, cousins, some cousins, you know, and then other people, I figured you'll discover for yourselves. Um, so <laughs> it, it was for me, I, I chose to tell people because, you know, everyone's like, why aren't you getting married? Some people I will tell, I'll just say, I'm, I'm not interested. And, and these days, if people know, I'm like, come on, you already know. It's not a thing. You know, you know it's not a secret. You know, I am getting, you know, and we don't have that opportunity to express our love publicly in this country. So um, I think if anyone was to ask me, I think it's almost Kiutani if they do that. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm like, almost, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. If they don't know, I will tell them. But within my family, Mm -hmm. you know, over time, everyone, everyone knows. So the journey has been progressive over time. Did you receive a lot of backlash maybe from some of your friends that maybe when they realized that you're queer, they were forced to cut off and maybe also maybe some of your workmates? Did you receive a lot of backlash from such people? Fortunately not. Fortunately not. I I know, I think, I don't think I lost any friends. Some With some, we became mm-hmm. slightly distant, you know, mm-hmm. um, but those friendships have 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 been restored I, I would say i was fortunate um even when the book came out i think people knew me more so as a journalist um mm-hmm. I, was, I was really scared i was really scared because i know people can be harsh and uh, <laughs> and i know people spoke but they never no, no one would speak no one would, would was brave enough to tell it to tell me to my face um, apart from one instance at a wedding, there's a cousin who tries to say something, but the other cousins pulled him aside, and that has never happened again. You know, that was mm-hmm. that was scary because the guy, I didn't hear him. I heard him from a distance saying, you know, he wanted to beat me, and mm-hmm. and that was scary because I didn't know how I'd react. Um, I'm not a violent person, but I am. If if you come at me, I will defend myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what held you back into you coming out? You came out, you've, you told me that you, you came out on your late 20s. Mm. Okay, maybe what are some of the fears that you had that prevented you from coming out then? Like when you were young, maybe when you were in high school and when you you joined campus in Desta? Bra rejection. Rejection, mm-hmm. rejection from family, rejection from friends. You know, people get thrown out of their homes. Who was going to pay for my fees? Mm-hmm. Who looked after me? I didn't know of any other gay people. You know, I was ashamed. You know, um, and you, you there's that whole thing. You're like, hey, no, where's it homo? You know, things like that. So I hadn't, I hadn't accepted myself. There was no support. It's very lonely, man. It's very lonely kama mm-hmm. if you know it, it, mm-hmm. and looking back it was scary it was scary mm-hmm. and it's not a good place to be it's not gonna it's not mm-hmm. a good place when you when you feel alone when you feel that you're yourself and society is telling you 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 are the worst thing in the world that you deserve to die you know that you don't deserve love you don't deserve a roof over your head you don't deserve treatment you don't deserve medical attention you don't deserve to work you don't deserve to be on my border you don't deserve you don't deserve life because you are different that is wrong that is wrong and fundamentally, I believe that is wrong. And no one deserves mm-hmm. to be put through that. No one. Mm-hmm. Because of who mm-hmm. they are. Because you didn't choose to be who you are, bro. Nor did I. And I didn't choose to. And the love I have is, is a good love. It may be towards um, someone of the same gender, another man. But I'm not harming anyone. Mm-hmm. And no one deserves to be made to feel bad about who they love or even how they love themselves or how they see themselves. Mm-hmm. And what about from church? When you came out to your pastor, 
And how, how about the other con- congregants? I mean, no one knew. He kept it to himself. Uh-huh. It was our little. It was our little secret. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But later on, they came to to know now when you came out public, maybe from your book, the the Invisible Book, back in what when you wrote your first book now. In twenty fourteen. In twenty fourteen. In twenty fourteen. Yeah. Did you still go back to the church? I I stopped going to church by then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I know I know the the, oh. the friends the friends I know I um I think we went separate ways are mostly the ones who um, were friends from church the church that I used to go to mm-hmm. Christian circles so those there mm-hmm. it, it changed some some have we have still remained friends and have not treated me any different but there are some who have mm-hmm. distanced themselves from me. Mm-hmm. And how did you come to be part of the? Gay and Lesbian Coalition of Kenya? Um, I mean, I serve on the board right now of, of um, mm-hmm. GALC. We also call it GALC. Um, I applied mm-hmm. for the position and I got interviewed and I was selected mm-hmm. to be part of the board. But mm-hmm. um, looking back, we were also many years ago um, when we started coming together as a community. Um, I used to just, you know, when you find, I found my tribe and I found my tribe um, through Galk back in the day. Mm-hmm. And I just used to mm-hmm. volunteer keep, uh, here and there. But right now, um, it's the process that, I, that I've just indicated. Mm-hmm. Maybe you can brief us uh, a bit on the functions of Galk and you being a board member in the community. I'm, I'm not a board member of the community. I'm a board member of GALC, um, just to clarify. Oh, that. Yeah. You know, the community oh, okay. people, we, you know, um, mm-hmm. and GALC is just one of the many organizations that is championing the, the rights of LGBT, of queer Kenyans, um, mm-hmm. queer Kenyans. So my work is to serve um, and support the secretariat in, 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 in fighting for the rights of queer Kenyans. Me and other mm-hmm. members, yes. Mm-hmm. All right, and let's talk about your you you your working place. And now that you, you right now you are a freelance journalist. Yes, yes, I occasionally yes do some journalism. Mm-hmm. How how what are you doing to ensure that other members? who are queer like you, who are reluctant into coming out. How are you helping such members and what are you doing to also contribute to the community? I mean, for me, my contribution um, as a journalist is to, like if you, the stories that you mentioned in The Elephant, is to try and normalize mm-hmm. our existence. You know, and when I do write about queer Kenyans, is to just to be, my, my, my role is to be fair and making sure that the, um, the individuals are covered in a way that is fair and true and is true of their narrative, you know, mm-hmm. and to be objective. So I hope my journalism, I would like to use my journalism for, for, for that. Um, mm-hmm. um, yeah, and, and I think for me, and also is, is even conducting interviews like this with you, Caleb, on your podcast to normalize mm-hmm. and share our stories and tell people where are you we as much Kenyan as anybody else you know mm-hmm. um to, to, to Ocha, you know we live in the city mm-hmm. we live everywhere we have dreams we have hopes we are under curfew you know we 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 we, we get harassed by cops you know mm-hmm. we we pay taxes. We serve this country. We love this country just like any other any other Kenyans. We are off the soil. We are you as much as you are us. So, um, um, so being able to speak and being able to be seen as as a gay Kenyan is is my way of, of just trying to normalize our existence. They say, you know, you know, you know. So that is that is 
and I use my journalism, I use my, my the platforms that I have to just try and, and help build bridges and to put a face to to to, to our existence. Mm. Okay. Ali in the interview mentioned something about you. The thought that had ever crossed you is being maybe diagnosed with HIV virus. Mm. Why, 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 why HIV? Because um, if you look at the statistics, a lot of um, um, gay men are prone, you know, to to HIV. You know, the, it is it is part of. Unfortunately, it, it's it's the way it is. And if you look at how the pandemic started. Initially, people thought it was like a gay man's disease, and that was not the case, especially in the West. Um, so it was things like that that made me think, you know what? Yeah, maybe this could be it, you know. But um, yeah, that's why that's why that's why I said what I did. Uh, how's the legal situation versus? Queer people in Kenya. Not, um, criminal, it is not illegal to be homosexual, but the law criminalizes mm-hmm. homosexual acts. So that is mm-hmm. the current um, situation. And a few years ago, there was a case in court that wanted to repeal, and was co- commonly known as Repeal 162, that wanted to mm-hmm. um, that, that wanted the courts to to do away with um, the section of the Penal Code 162 to 165 that um, criminalizes. Um, same-sex acts between two men and also criminalizes so many other practices that um, take place within the privacy of, of one's home, you know, um, and that also touch on, on straight people as well. It's not just, so if you look at that section, it's very, you'll, you'll discover a lot. Um, um, so basically, that is, basically, that is, that is, that is a situation. Um mm-hmm. No one has been convicted. Um, no one has been convicted according to this law, um, which carries, I think, a maximum penalty of seven to fourteen. Was it fourteen years? But with, yeah, carries a um, mm-hmm. sentence of seven to fourteen years if you're caught in the act. Um, especially, and and that sort of touches on sodomy. Um, yeah, um, basically that's the legal. Fr- that's that's the law. You know, this section one, uh, one six five um, that criminalizes homosexual acts. Um, that's mm-hmm. the law. That that's the law that we're trying to um, repeal. What are some of the stereotypes associated with queer people that you'd like to correct? I'm, I'm just gonna say. I mean, we're as normal as anybody else, mate. You know, we are normal, mm-hmm. and, and, and there isn't one form of, 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 of presentation of, of queerness. There isn't. You know, they never will. Mm-hmm. You know, we are as normal as the next person. And for me, I just hope mm-hmm. that the work that we do is just to show that we are as normal as the next person. You know, you can't mm-hmm. judge me, you know, because of because uh, I walk in a particular way or if I dress in a particular way. No, let's not put people in boxes. Let's not put people mm-hmm. in boxes and let people be who they are and let them be themselves. Mm-hmm. Oh, 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 all right. You, okay, before maybe we end today's conversation and today's interview, I want to ask you some three random questions. <laughs> <laughs> You're full of surprises. <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> okay. Morning person or an evening person? <laughs> morning. Morning. Ugali or rice? <laughs> Rice. Rice. Uh, an evening down the sandy beaches or an evening in a concert? Evening on the sandy beaches. Oh, nice. Your parting shot is the come towards the end of our interview today. Um, wow. People are people. People are people, and um, we are all beautifully and wonderfully made, you know. And 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 
what I want to encourage people is is mm-hmm. sometimes in some one of the lessons I still remember from the days of that I used to go to church is is put yourself in the other person's shoes. Put yourself in the other person's shoes. You know, we are all human beings. We are all beautifully and wonderfully made, and we're not all the same. You know, mm-hmm. and if you look at the, the if, you know, if you even if you look at 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 the, at, 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 at your the, your fingers and on your, and, and you know, if you look at your hand, you've got five fingers, and none of them are the same, but together they make a fist, a strong <laughs> fist. You know. Um, we are beautiful, we are all different and love one another, love one another, mm-hmm. you know, cause that's, 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 that's the greatest thing. And, and you know what, let's not put people into boxes. Let's not put people into boxes and let's just try and understand and live the world in a better place than we found it. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice quite some insights insights there and how can people get you Kevin Machiro um, I'm on Twitter my, my, I'm on Twitter I'm on Instagram those are the easiest places to get me Kev um, the handles are Kev Machiro and I also have mm-hmm. a page that talks about my journey on, on Facebook um, it's called, mm-hmm. I think Kev Machiro multiple myeloma fighter that's where I do a lot mm-hmm. of my my. I still do it occasionally. My um, advocacy around um, and education about cancer, um, just trying to raise awareness around cancer, uh, and also mm-hmm. multiple myeloma. So you can you, you can find me. You can find me there. Thank you for reaching up to the end of this amazing episode. And see you next week. And I want to, to know how you resonated with this particular episode and what you think about it. Yeah, on my social media handles, which is Caleb underscore Apollos on Instagram, Caleb Apollos on Facebook, and Apollos Caleb on Twitter. I'll be waiting for your comments. So until next time, remember to keep safe, sanitize as we continue to podcast in this amazing damn studio. See ya!